Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who, uh, who has not left us to ourselves, but you have given us such great hope uh, to be people who are unstained, to be people who actually live lives that can honor you in the world. Father, help us to understand how we can do that more effectively even tonight. Bless our time as we learn things that maybe we're, we're not familiar with or, or things we haven't reviewed for a while or, or, or maybe we're just not comfortable with. Uh, but Lord, please give us conviction and uh, great insight into what we're going to be learning tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, as you can see here, I have two soda cans. And I don't know if you guys can tell, but one of them on the outside looks really nice and clean. And the other one looks horrifically dirty, like it's been rolled in the mud. And that's because it has been rolled in the mud. Uh, it kind of, it probably looks the same because the can just, I don't know, it's brown. So, yeah. Here, let me turn this around a little bit so you can kind of see, like, more dirt. There we go. Yeah. So, uh, one looks really good. One looks really bad. Uh, but you know what they say. You can't judge a book by its cover. Okay? You want to, you know look on the inside to find out what, is actually, what it's actually all about, right? So I want someone to test these to determine for us if they're actually good looking and reasonable. Wow, this, this, is really nasty this that's amazing. You're already up here, so you might as well. So all right, now, now what we're going to do is taste one, and then tell me what it tastes like, and then taste the other, and tell me what it tastes like. Okay, so let's let's try let's try this one first. Okay, let's try the let's do the let's do the nice looking one. All right. Bitter coffee. Bitter coffee. That's pretty good. It's just coffee with salt. Coffee with salt. Lots of salt in there. All right, now try the other one. Was it, what does it taste like? Any different? Is there anything different? Yeah, there's, there's no difference between the two. They both have bitter coffee and salt in them, okay? It, now, did you like that or was it gross? It was okay. Wow, okay, that's amazing. I, w <laughs> I would think it would be really gross, but that's just me. So, but this, one of them looks really bad on the outside. One of them looks really good on the inside. But both of them are really bad on the inside, okay? Let's just put it that way, all right? They're both really bad on the inside. And you can actually think about people this way. This is the way people are. Some people are really nice on the outside. You know, there's all kinds of people you can meet in Bakersfield that are really, really nice and friendly and things like that. Some people you meet around Bakersfield are not so nice, right? They can be rude. They can be mean. But everyone is bad on the inside. That's the way the human condition is. Uh, Romans 3.10 says there is no one righteous, not even one. Not a single person is righteous. Now, I don't have a rag with me, but let's say I were to clean up the outside of this can. And I were to have Caleb here taste it again. Would anything change? No, right? Nothing's going to change if I clean the outside of this can. Why? Why would it not change? Because the inside is exactly the same, right? It's the exact same thing. And so even though you clean the outside, that doesn't make the inside any better. And you can think about people the exact same way. Whether you are nice on the outside or not so nice on the outside, cleaning up yourself on the outside isn't going to make any difference on the inside. It's not going to make any difference at all. 
You can determine to do all kinds of good works. You can be extra nice all the time. You can read your Bible all the time. You can pray all the time. You can do all these good things, and yet you can actually still be on your way to hell. That's the way the human condition works. Because who you are is not just what you do on the outside, but it's who you are on the inside. Okay? What's on the inside is what counts. The measure of a man has to do with the condition of his heart. Okay? I'm going to put this aside for a little bit. But please don't spill. And wipe that off. So we have been going through this series called Unstained. And I want to continue that series tonight. We're trying to answer the question that how do you live as a Christian in the world without being a part of it? That's kind of the question we've been tackling. How do you interact with the world and not be sucked into it? Uh, We have been using Matthew 22, Matthew 22, 37 through 40, as kind of our blueprint for success in this, okay? How do we live unstained? Matthew 22 gives us kind of a a three-part outline that is going to guide our three-part series, okay? So uh, turn with me to Matthew 22 for a moment so we can see this, so you guys all know what I'm talking about and you're not just like, what's that? What's Matthew 22? I know uh, several of you weren't here last time, so this would be helpful. This is Jesus speaking. Um, I think this is Jesus speaking, right? I don't have a red letter Bible, so yeah, this is Jesus speaking. Uh, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> so in Jesus, um, look at verse 37, chapter 22, verse 37. But Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with, all your, um, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. But the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. All the, all the law and the prophets depend on these two, okay? What's he saying here? Well, this is what he's saying. He says, there are, the, there are two important commandments in the entire Bible. If you were to sum up the entire Bible into two commandments, it would be these. Love God and love others. Love God and love others. And last month, we looked at the greatest commandment, which is love God. We looked at that. Uh, And we defined what love really is. Uh, It's not what the world normally thinks about love, you know, Valentine's Day and hearts, balloons and stuff like that, right? Emoticons, you know, Uh, ushy-gushy feelings. That's all well and good, uh, you know, and having butterflies in your stomach for someone is not necessarily wrong. Actually, that's a good thing. I hope you get butterflies one day when you prepare to get married. That's an important thing. So, guys, you'll get there if you haven't already. So, Um, but... Feeling, but here's the thing, love is more than that. It is love, love is more than that. Uh, Feelings come and go. They come and go. So love is not defined by feelings. It can't be defined by feelings or else love really isn't going to stand up. Because sometimes you have it and sometimes you don't. Love is just, it's more concrete than that. It's way more concrete. And what we learned last time is that love has three qualities. We learned that love has three qualities. Can you guys remember what those three qualities were for those of you guys who were here? What is love? 
Three qualities. Yes, Julia. Give me commitment. All right, good. That's one. Just hand them out on the silver platter. All right. Very good. Yep. 100 points to the girls. So the first one we looked at, first thing we looked at about love is that love is a commitment. It's a commitment. Uh, like I said, feelings come and go, but love never lets go. It never lets go. Uh, no matter what happens, I'm sticking with you. That's what love says. Um, love is devotion. Love is devotion. It's not emotion. It's not so much emotion. It's devotion. Okay. But we also looked at that love is a choice. Um, it's a choice. Uh, I mean, let's face it, you can't love everything in the world on the same level at the same time. You just can't. Uh, at some point, you have to make a choice. You're going to have to make a choice. Uh, if you have a decision between Chipotle or In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> well, well, okay, so Vanessa, let me ask you, which one would you choose, Chipotle or In-N-Out? In and out. All right. Well, your choice of In and Out tells you which one you love more. So, who who, what, who else would choose? Which, which, one, which one would you choose? Chipotle. So that. So same thing. Your choice just told you how much which one you love more. Okay. Which one do you like? Chipotle. Yeah. Same. I'm I'm the same way. I I lean towards Chipotle. Okay. But that's just me. Yeah. So. But, but listen, love is a choice. Love is a choice. That's why Jesus even said himself, if anyone loves father, mother, son, daughter, yes, even his own life more than me, he is not worthy of me. Because loving God means choosing God over anyone and anything else. That's love. It is selection, not affection. It is selection, not affection. So it's devotion, it's not emotion, and it's selection, not affection. But third, we looked at that love requires a heart change. It requires a heart change. And I didn't spend a lot of time on this last time because that's the topic of tonight's sermon. What does it mean, uh, like a heart change? What are we talking about here? The first two qualities of love are really, really important, and we saw that last week. I don't want you guys to miss those. But do you realize that you can't make them happen? You can't make that happen. You can't actually commit, and you can't make a choice to love God. It's impossible. It's absolutely 100% impossible. And here's, here's why. You can't choose God. You can't commit to God because you don't naturally have a Godward heart to begin with. You don't. None of us do. None of us have a heart when we are born to actually have the capacity to love God. It's just not possible. We can fake it. We can be that nice-looking can, but inside it is just gross stuff. Just gross stuff. And so the truth is, when God first launched this command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, uh, you're really set up for failure here. You're really set up for failure because it's an impossible standard. And here's the thing. God's not oblivious to that. He, he knows that. He knows it's impossible. 
And so before we move on to the second greatest commandment, which is to love others, I want us to hang out here on the greatest commandment a little while longer. And I want us to consider not just what it means to love God, but what it means to love God with all of your heart. Okay, that's what we're going to look at tonight. Uh, if to love God is the greatest commandment and we are to set up and we are set up to fail that greatest commandment, then we need to know how to fix it. We've got to know how to fix this. So I'm going to ask four simple questions that will explain to us to us the heart. Okay, four simple questions. All right, and I'll write these down for you so you can take notes and track along. All right, number one. What is the heart? Okay, just we got to define what the heart is, all right? We can't talk about the heart and not know what it is. Now, we have talked a lot about the heart since I arrived here, uh, especially on Sunday mornings with the book of James, right? I mean, that's, that's been huge. Uh, so I know that's been a big deal of what we've been talking about, but I don't want to assume that you know exactly what I'm talking about because I actually haven't really defined very clearly for you what the heart is. And you may have some concept of it, and I hope you do, but you may not know exactly what it is. Well, there are three ways that you can really talk about the heart, okay? One is it's the physical organ of your body, okay? The heart is your physical organ, all right? That's one way to look at the heart. Uh, duh. Uh, everybody knows that, all right? That's, that's pretty obvious. Uh, everyone in this room has a heart. I hope so, anyways. It is beating some slower than others because they're sleeping right now. I'm just kidding. There's no one sleeping, I don't think. <laughs> Joel. Uh, but the heart is the center of the body. It's the center. Uh, it's what distributes blood everywhere and keeps it going. Uh, the Bible even says that, that uh, life is in the blood. And where does blood come from? The heart. The heart pumps it. So the heart is the center of your physical existence. But uh, the heart is also a symbol for emotion. It's a symbol for emotion. And this is how we are most familiar with talking about the heart. Uh, you know, someone says, I love you with all my heart, you know? What are you talking about? Well, I love you with so much emotion, right? I love you with so much emotion. You know, this is the Valentine's Day kind of stuff I was talking about. It's the reason why around that time of year, you see candy in the shape of hearts. And you see chocolates in the shape of hearts. You see balloons in the shape of hearts. Goodness, you even see bears in the shape of hearts. Like, seriously, I like went online, I saw like a bear in the shape of a heart. Like, it, it exists, okay? Uh, the heart has to do with feelings in our culture. And in one sense, there's nothing wrong with seeing it that way, but the Bible talks about the heart in a little bit more deeper terminology. Okay, it goes deeper than that. And that's, so... The heart does have to do with feelings, but that's not the dominant way that the Bible talks about the heart. The predominant way the Bible talks about the heart has to do with something I'm going to call the inner person, okay? The inner person. The heart is the inner person. Sometimes the Bible calls the inner person the soul. Sometimes the Bible calls the inner person the spirit. But quite often, the Bible will call the inner person the heart, the heart. So what's the inner person? What are we talking about there? Because that sounds a little nebulous too, doesn't it? Well, here's what the inner person or the heart really is, okay? You can divide it into three parts, all right? And here, I'll just write this here too. 
Inner person. Ooh, misspell. It's terrible. I went to seminary for this? Man. Inner person. Okay, it equals three things, all right? Three things. One, your mind. Your mind. That's part of your inner person. Uh, it, it, what, what am I talking about with the mind here? Your mind um, is essentially your brain, okay? It's your brain. Uh, now, it is your brain in one sense, but it goes even beyond that as well. Um, it, also ha it also includes your thoughts. And you're like, well, what's the difference between thoughts and brain? Well, what you think, how you reason, how you process data in your head, that's all invisible. It's all invisible. Uh, your mind is invisible. Your brain is physical, okay? So in other words, there is a literal brain inside your head where neurons are signaled and, and such, and that kind of stuff. But the mind encompasses an invisible world of thoughts and logic that utilizes your physical brain as its base of operations. Now, what do I mean by this? What I mean by this is this. If I were to take Joel here, and if I were to dissect his brain, <laughs> I would never be able to find his thoughts. I can't find his thoughts. His thoughts are invisible, okay? There's an invisible world of thoughts, but the brain basically brings those thoughts into, physical, into the physical world, okay? That's what we're talking about here. So that's the first part. That's, that's part of the inner person is your mind, okay? Your invisible mind. Second, it includes, your heart includes your emotions, okay? We just talked about this. That's part of your inner person. That's part of your heart. It is your emotions. How you feel. Um, what you think and how you think expresses itself in how you feel. So there's an interaction there. These kind of work together in tandem and uh, they go hand in hand. Your thoughts and your emotions, they work together. But third, your heart also includes your willpower. Your willpower, okay? And uh, I, would, I would actually call it the will, but there's a lot of words for will. Like, um, you know, the pers a person can be called will. You know, I will, you know, make that will for will. And, you know, there's a lot of wills you can use. Um, it's just, yeah. So I'm going to use willpower so we don't get confused here, okay? Your willpower. Uh, your thoughts don't decide things for you. I don't know if you guys knew that, but your thoughts don't decide things for you, okay? Your thoughts are different from your will. Your will is the decision maker in your inner person. And so the heart involves a mind that thinks... And it has emotions that emote, and it has a willpower that chooses, okay? This is your inner person. This is your heart. That's what the heart is. But how does it work? How does, here, and actually, I will, I'm going to erase this, just so I have enough space here so you can see. Uh, whoop. Oh, man, I'm really struggling tonight. How? does the heart work? Okay, how does the heart work? Turn over to Matthew 7 for a moment when you get it done right in there. Where did the clock go? 
we, we might go way over here because I haven't seen the clock in forever. Eight. Well, well, I'll have a little bit of leeway here, but that's okay. Um, Matthew, Matthew seven, uh, verse twenty-one. Does someone want to volunteer to read verses twenty-one through twenty-three? Actually, verse, verses twenty through twenty-three. Volunteer, volunteer. Come on, don't be shy. You'll do it, Vanessa. Awesome. Oh, you know what? I'm so sorry. Stop right there. That actually is a very similar passage, but it's actually Mark 7. I'm, I'm so sorry. Mark 7. I, d- I actually did this earlier today to myself, so we are really struggling tonight and getting stuff nailed down. I can't draw. I can't go to the right scripture. This is wonderful. All right. Sorry. Mark, Mark 7, verse 20 through 23. Okay, very good. Thank you. Jesus himself defines for us how the heart works here. Uh, It is really the headquarters, uh, or the HQ, if you want to call it that way, uh, of each person. It's the the headquarters. It's it's the base of operations. Everything that happens begins in the heart. Everything that happens. Everything you do was dictated and commissioned by your heart. I don't know if you guys realize that, but it's true. And this is critical because Jesus indicates for us that it is not acceptable to only put a stop to sin externally. It's not acceptable just to, just to stop the sins you are doing on the outside. There's still a heart that is producing more sin to come out. Um, if you need like an example of, of how that works, I remember watching an episode of SpongeBob once. Um, and I don't know if you've ever watched SpongeBob or not, but I think you can get the illustration even if not. SpongeBob went over to his friend Patrick's house for a sleepover once. And, uh, and Patrick, apparently, as SpongeBob found out, drools like fountains of water, okay? And, and so SpongeBob had this great idea to stop it because it was bothering him. He couldn't sleep. Uh, he took a big plug, a big cork plug, and shoved it in his mouth. And it stopped the drooling for a little while, okay? But if you're having just drool just keep coming, what's eventually going to happen? It's going to blow, right? That's exactly what happened. It just kind of built up. Patrick kind of like inflated, and then it like exploded into this fountain, okay? And so, you know, that, that you can kind of think about the heart that way. You can pl- put a plug on your anger. You can do that. You can deny yourself pornography. You can do that. You can keep away from bad friendships. You can do that. But there's still sin on the inside. There's still sin that drives all that. Now, don't get me wrong. All those things I just mentioned are good, and you should do those things. You know, don't not do those things. Those are good. But there's desires that have gone unchecked. There's a willpower that, that has no biblical guidance. There are emotions that are out of control. If you don't deal with your sin on the inside, you will find yourself coming back to your sin on the outside. Does that make sense? 
there's something on the inside that has to be dealt with. And so we come to our third question real quick here. How does God change your heart? Mm, I'm getting there. Change your heart. Okay. How does God change your heart? Because again, like I said earlier, you can't, you can't stop this. You can't choose to love God, and you can't change your heart. God has to do that. It is entirely a work of God. So the question becomes, how does God change the heart? Well, we know from Scripture, like Ezekiel 36, 26 says this, I will give you, God says this, I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. And what will that do? That will cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. How do you actually live the way God wants you to? God has to give you a new heart. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. God must be the one to give you a new heart. You can't even keep your old one and like try to patch it up. God actually has to transplant a new heart, a new inner person. So how do we get God to give us that kind of heart? How do we do that? It's actually very simple. It's actually very, very simple. Faith. It's faith. It's all it is. When David sinned against the Lord, this is what he said. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart. David responded in faith that God can and will give him a new and clean heart. That kind of faith is the faith that saves. Faith is coming to the end of yourself. It's coming to the end of yourself. You realize there's nothing you can do to save yourself. That is true faith, and that is the only thing that will save you. Only Jesus can save you. Only the death and resurrection of Jesus will ever work as a replacement for the death that you deserve and the life that you will gain. When you recognize that for the first time and realize that God has given you a way to have a new heart through his son, Jesus Christ, and then you put your trust in him, you will be saved. It's that simple. It's just recognizing, I can't do it, but God can. When I was nine years old and I got saved, that's when the light turned on for me. I realized, wow, I can't do it. I tried to save myself in my own power. I thought memorizing a bunch of Bible verses would save me. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. This is what we call the gospel. This is the gospel. It's realizing I can't save myself, but Jesus came, died on a cross, rose again to save me. That's it. That's it. So the good, this is what the good news is, that God can change you from the inside out. Now, if you haven't done this yet, if this doesn't apply to you, then I want to encourage you that, you know, don't, don't waste time here. Let this, be t- let this be something that you actually do tonight. You can echo the words of David, create in me a clean heart, O God. That's how you change. That's how you actually become a Christian, is when you say, I can't give myself a clean heart. I can't do this. And so if that burden is on your heart, 
then you know God is already in the process of transplanting it for a different one. And I encourage you, don't stop that process. Keep going. Keep praying and keep pouring your heart out to the Lord because that heart is already probably being transformed as we speak. Okay? And please talk with one of us if that is something that is on your mind, if that's on your heart. But the last thing I want to address is this. And we'll move through this briefly. We're pretty much out of time here. But how do you make changes in your heart? That's an old. Okay. How do you make changes in your heart? Once God has given you a new heart, that doesn't mean you automatically stop sinning forever. I wish that was true, but it's not. Uh, It doesn't work like that. Once you are saved, once you have a new heart, there is actually still a battle that you must fight on a daily basis. And if you're a Christian, you know this. You know this very well. You must kill sin. I kind of like to think about it this way. Uh, There's an episode seven of Star Wars is coming out really soon. And uh, I don't, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Star Wars or not, but spoiler alert, uh, episode six, uh, the good guys win, and the Death Star is destroyed, and Darth Vader dies, and the Emperor dies, and the war is pretty much won by the Rebel Alliance. It's like, yay! But what happens after that? Well, we have an episode seven. Well, what's in episode seven? Well, it's continuing the battles. The war might be won for now, but there's still battles that are going on. There's still battles. God has won the war of the heart. It's his heart, and that will never change. But there still are battles to fight, to show off that God's victory is still operating even now. So there are still desires we have to win over to God because those desires are selfish. And there are still motivations that we have to win over that were once wicked. And there are still thoughts that we have to win over that were once foolish. And so what I want to do in closing tonight is really answer this final question, how do I make changes in my heart? We cannot look at everything that I want to really look at about this, but what I want to do is I want to begin this process of starting to help you see how do I begin to make changes in my heart, okay? And here's bottom line what you need to do. You need to diagnose your heart. That's the first step. You have to diagnose your heart. And you're like, what does that mean? What does it mean to diagnose? I didn't know what diagnose meant until like like 10 years ago. So like when I was in high, like late high school, I think. So, um, so you might not know what that means either. Uh, when you go to the doctor's office for any kind of a basic problem, you know, after you like weigh yourself and, you know, get your height checked and temperature and I don't know, our blood pressure, that kind of stuff. What's the first thing that, that the doctor does? What does he do? What does he start doing? Yeah. Okay, yeah. You're already there, though, in one sense. But, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, he starts asking questions, doesn't he? He starts asking questions. He starts like, yeah, why are you here? You know, and he starts asking, how do you feel? You know, describe it. What kind of pain are you experiencing? Is it sharp? Is it dull? Is it pressure? Is it throbbing? 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 Can't play on words. How often does this occur? When do you most often experience these symptoms? 
Where do you most often experience these symptoms? Right? He asks all these questions, right? What does he do? He's, what is he doing there? He's trying to diagnose your problem. He's trying to tell, what is your problem? What's your problem? What's the cause of your symptoms? All these questions are designed to answer the question, why? Why do all these things, why are all these symptoms happening to me? The doctor is trying to get at the cause of those symptoms. If your symptoms are sneezing and coughing and fever, then you probably have a cold, right? Well, I want to put questions into your hand, questions that will help you diagnose your heart, okay? And that's why I handed out that sheet in front of you. And all these questions are designed to answer that same question of why. Why do I sin the way I sin? I want, I want to help you get at the cause of your sin. I don't want you to just have to deal with, well, I'm going to stop getting angry at my brother and sister. And I'm just going gonna to stop, you know, you know, lusting or looking at pornography. I'm going to stop, I don't know, um, giving in to peer pressure, things like that. There's a lot of different things external, that we, different ways that we sin. But there's always something on the inside that is driving that. And these questions help you get to what that is, okay? Look at some of these. What do you love? What do you love? What do you hate? What do you want? What do you desire? What do you crave? What do you lust and wish for? What desires do you serve and obey? What do you seek or aim for or pursue? What are your goals or expectations? Here's a good question. What do you fear? What are you afraid of? What do you worry about all the time? It's a great question. What do you turn? Um, what do you turn to for comfort and security, hope, and when you run into problems? The, I, I like this question a lot. What counts as success for you? When you what, what when do you, when do you see yourself as being successful in your life? At what points? That tells you what you really care about and what you really love. So what are all these questions doing? Well, they're diagnosing your heart. They are telling you what the cause of your sin is. That's what they're doing. You know, you might say to me something like, well, I struggle with getting angry a lot. I get angry a lot. I really have trouble with that. Well, I might ask you a question like this. When do you feel at peace in your life? When are you least angry? When are you least angry? And you might, you know, answer that question, well, you know, I'm least angry when I'm in complete control of every part of my life. When things are not out of control, when I actually have a grip on what's going on in my life, that's when I'm at peace. And that's when I don't get angry. Well, then we've just kind of found what the source of your problem is. It's control. You have this desire, this, this passion for control. Control is the source of your sin. And control is the cause of your anger. And so we need to start putting, an unhealth, putting that unhealthy desire for control to death. Not just the anger, but where the anger comes from. And so this is a little bit different than the way we're used to thinking. And this is really different than the way we are normally used to thinking about sin as well. But this is fundamental to the Christian life. We start inward, start inward, and we work our way outward. So one of these soda cans really looked unstained, didn't it? 
One of them obviously did not. But as soon as you open each up and take a sip, both of them were clearly stained and clearly tainted. A Christian teenager who wants to live in this world unstained must be completely unstained. That is, unstained from the inside out. Only then can you be the kind of Christian who is effective in the world and not influenced by it. That's where it begins. It all begins in the heart. If you want to know how do I actually begin to love God in all these ways, it all starts right at the heart. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have given new hearts to many of us or that you have offered that opportunity to everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What, what an amazing, an amazing opportunity. Father, I pray that there, if there's anyone who hasn't taken advantage of this opportunity, that you would clear away the hindrances and remove the obstacles so that they will repent and, and turn to you and gain that new heart and find hope in being able to change in this life and reflect that new heart and reflect the glorious salvation that you've given us. And Father, help us for those who have new hearts, but that still battle with the flesh, to know how to purge ourselves of these desires that are still battling and fighting within us. Bless our time now as we move and transition into a small group time. In Christ's name we pray, amen.